can now. Yeah, I couldn't a second ago. That was weird. We'll get. How are you? I'm good. You know, not not after the game, but you know, outside of that, it's all right. Just general life is okay. Yeah. 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 That was. Uh, yeah. Not fun. Not the most fun match I think we've ever watched. Right. No, 16 long days between Premier League games and uh, two nil nils. So we have lots to talk about. Um, we don't, but we'll we'll be all right. Uh, so, so welcome everybody to episode 240. Uh, we're talking Wolves. Um, let's get our friends at Green King sorted first, shall we? Uh, and then we'll wrap up because that's about all we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... so 2024 uh, is here, uh, which means a packed schedule uh, for the FA Cup, which is coming up here shortly, uh, AFCON, um, and of course, Premier League action. Uh, so feel free to beat the January blues if you're suffering from them uh, and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down at your local Green King Sports Pub. Uh, don't settle for a dodgy stream. Uh, if it's on the telly, it's on at your local Green King across their huge HD screens. Uh, Sky Sports is showing every single AFCON match going. Uh, so that means that we will be there at every pub uh, if you want to go and watch it. Uh, if you download the Green King Sports app, you'll also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on. Uh, you've also got a range of low and no alcohol options, of course, uh, in this day and age. So dry January doesn't mean you have to settle for a worse sports watch, sports watching experience. Almost said sports washing. Uh, we're talking about uh, the AFCON, not whatever Saudi are doing these days. Um, Adam, how have you spent your last 16 days uh, since we last played a game of football? Yeah, well, and that's even if you count the FA Cup, right? Correct. Correct. Basically, like three weeks since uh, I haven't had as much of a good time as your dogs are having, but basically three weeks since West Ham. And you know from the last one, for people that listened last time around, how annoyed I was at the West Ham game. Um, Because, you know, we talked about it was was Moy's terrorist ball. And instead, we faced Gary O'Neill terrorist ball. And it was, honestly, if they put on Claret and Blue... It was the same game. And I hate, I just despise this. And I don't know what I despise more. I don't know if I despise the opposition tactics more or our lack of penetration in breaking down a quote unquote low block. I hate that term, but I'm going to use it. I know you asked me how, what I've been up to outside of football, but I've already, I've already got annoyed thinking about the game yesterday. Um, I, I guess to answer your question, I was maybe uh, in a positive mindset because I didn't have to watch us face teams sit with 10 slash 11 men behind the ball and bore us to tears for 95 minutes. But, you know, here we are back again. What about you? Yeah, understandable. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a slow start to the year, just like we have been for scoring goals. I was there at Stoke, though, um, and it was a belting game, at least, for the, for the Stoke game. Uh, at least it was entertaining, lots of goals scored. Uh, we've somehow suddenly stopped scoring goals all uh, in the Premier League, but yeah, like you say, it was it was very much a rinse and repeat from from January the second, uh, which is never a great experience. Once you've kind of done it once, it's like all right, we've got a clean sheet now. We never need to have a game like that again, uh, and we had one immediately. <laughs> in, I feel, ba- I feel bad for game. the people that had to go to Farmer on a Monday night. 
and deal with all the various standard transit issues that you have to 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 watch that crap um because it was crap but it was it was just dull uh and if anything we should have lost uh wolves were way more dangerous on the chances they created you think i mean we've got the stats here right i know we're just going into this but honestly the sooner yeah, we may as well stop talking about this hell game and, and focus on positives in the future and the fact that you know we signed Barco since we last spoke and we've got some interesting games coming up whereas we can't bloody score against Luton and then Palace you know and, and then Sheffield United in the, in the FA Cup then we've got bigger problems but uh what was the actual data behind this one Josh because I think we had 71% of the ball did we not we did yeah almost 72 really uh we pretty much matched them for shots 11 to 8 uh we did have one more shot on target than them and it ended with uh a 1.0 to a 1.1 XG. So really, they had a higher XG by 0.1. So we had so okay, 71 or 72 percent of the ball. Uh, now I think the shots thing is misleading because it all depends on whether you take into account blocked shots because we yeah. had six blocked shots. Yep, we only had four shots on target to their three, as you say. We had one shot off target and they had five. And it's just like corners wise, we had eight to their two. They had a total of five plus counter attacks on us, which I mean, you don't need to look at the data to actually see how they how they played. But it was basically us having almost zero creativity in terms of creating opportunities and chances and then smacking the ball against a variety of different Wolves defenders and wondering why we weren't winning a game. And then everyone was pushed up. Van Hecker was playing central attacking midfielder. And then suddenly we're like, oh, why is Jason Steele completely out of his area missing Cunha, who thankfully just shot completely wide into an open goal? Uh, it was just, I don't. I know we've got a lot of players out injured, but this was probably the first game you could argue West Ham was also a sign of this where it felt like we had no creativity because of those injuries, especially on the wings, because all these teams do is chalk up the middle. They say, go, all right, great. Go out and rely on your wingers to create opportunities. Jao Pedro probably had his worst game in recent memory for us uh, yesterday yeah. after being obviously outstanding uh, outside of that. And then on the right side, I mean, what, what what did we even have on the right side? What, was it Buena Notte attempting to do things? Uh, yes, possibly. Uh, it it was a weird one, wasn't it? Because Hinshelwood was the main guy there and, and Buena Notte just kept trying to come in as much as he could. Uh, he seems to be much preferring playing on the inside. Um, yeah, I mean, they just set up perfectly, didn't they? Like, And it's not hard at this point. You just pop in that like horrible almost arrowhead formation and know that we can't go outside because we simply have no wings at all left. Right. Like there is, it's all well and good saying like, you know, we failed to beat a low block, but like you said, like there was no, there was never a point where it looked like we could because we had one dimension of playing and that was hopefully utilizing our players through the middle with some tight, intricate play because out wide we had James Milner playing as left wing back on one side and we had Hinshelwood and Bonanotte combining to try and play on the right. And Estepinion essentially playing centre-back for a lot of the game in a weird back three. Um, it was, I mean, 
it's horrible, but also like what what are we? How are we supposed to combat it at this point? Because we, you know, and CISO out fatty out Adingra, Afcon, Mitoma, Asian Cup. Uh, who else have we got? There are more. Well, I said, well, we're then talking about defenders. I'm not sure if we've got other attackers that are out, but that's a lot yeah. already. That's all of them. <laughs> Pedro isn't really a winger or comfortable on the wing. Lamptey, who has came on at right wing a couple of times and looked quite good, didn't come on until late yesterday, and then we barely touched them. We right didn't give him the ball. Came on. Not at all. Uh, yeah, like I mean, like they know they know what they needed to do, and they did it easily because we simply have no other option. And when you look at that team and you think, all right, we can see what we're doing. We need to bring on some personnel to stretch them here. And you look at the bench and you go, oh, yeah, we literally have no player in the entire squad left capable of stretching them because they're all injured or gone on international duty. And even those that are on international duty are also injured anyway. So I get it. I do. And I I think you almost have to point this out right because we we didn't look like this side before we look way more free-flowing but at the same time sides weren't being this egregiously defensive against us it felt like to me at least earlier on in the season and it's almost like they've just seen the blueprint for it and just uh, everyone goes out to do it if if they're a side that doesn't have that um arrogance to have to play with all of the ball and play attacking football which you know we, we won't see these tactics when you face an arsenal or a spurs or a man city right we've seen that and we and we have games that yes sure we we end up potentially losing them but they're games where it's a, it's a little bit more interesting um we should be able to break this stuff down even without these these the creative players that we have uh, and i say that it's somewhat unfair to say but even when we decided, all right, let's mix this up. Let's change things around a little bit. You take off Danny Welbeck, you bring on Evan Ferguson in the 65th minute. That gives you about half an hour of football where you're tweaking things a little bit more. Now, the thought process there, right, would be, okay, well, they're forcing us out to the wings. So instead of us trying to play intricate passing football into the box to create opportunities for Danny Welbeck to score, um, let's switch it up. We've now got the big lad in the middle. Let's try and get some balls in and, and actually cross the ball. And how much of that did you see? We had a eight out of 32 cross percentage, so 25% cross success rate. Because every time we tried to cross the ball, the number of times that it just hit the first defender uh, on Even every attempt. Kicks, corners, it was wild. Every attempt. Crazy. And I, I'm sorry, but you should, these players should be able to put it across. I don't care if it's, if it's not like Matoma or whatever. You should be able to just put a cross into the box and and give Evan Ferguson an opportunity to at least have a header or someone else have a header. We've seen João Pedro with his ability. If you if you bring the ball out to the right hand side, that allows João Pedro to cut in. Then you suddenly got those those two taller players in the middle, so you can create more opportunities. And it's almost like Deserbi tried to make a tactical change, but then we still played the same way with different people involved. And Evan Ferguson recently has shown absolutely well, minimal ability to play as a hold-up striker. He just gets crowded out. The first, the ball bounces off his foot and he can't hold the ball up and suddenly the the play breaks down. We've seen that so much from him recently. And I just want, I, I want to see something a little bit different. It feels like at the moment we bang our head against the wall and then nothing changes. So, well, let's try something a little bit different. 
it's not been working for 65 minutes. Yeah, the rise and fall of Evan Ferguson is definitely something we'll want to touch on uh, in a future episode if it continues on this trajectory because it's really worrying stuff. Um, and all the talk at the beginning of the window of Chelsea wanting to come in and break the British transfer record to sign him this January has gone very quiet as well. Uh, probably just bullshit paper talk, isn't it, really? But Pedro uh, uh, Purvis and Pascal Gross had 19 crosses between them last night, and they got seven of them accurate. That's what I mean. It's just unacceptable between the two of them. Like uh, this is this is the two players that you're really in that team relying on to to put the most balls in the box, right? Like you're you're actually natural left back, left wing back, and like the most creative guy in the Premier League outside of Kevin De Bruyne, who made his return in style last week, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like he's you know he's supposed to be phenomenal at this sort of stuff and it was just nothing there was no nothing to be seen um and you know i i feel like it's felt like such a breath of fresh air getting danny Welbeck in the squad simply because of how utterly poor ferguson has been and that's sad like that's that's really like disappointing when when i sit there and go oh i love seeing danny Welbeck in the starting 11 that's nice to have him back because really we should all be like over the moon with the idea of Pedro and Ferguson starting together. And yes. whatever has happened with, with Evan this year has been really, really poor. Um, I will say not quite as poor as that Wolves awake it though. Absolutely disgusting. Like it's literally just the Portugal kit and it doesn't look right on Wolves at all. It was horrible. Yeah, I look, uh, if the, the, the key thing that you do is if if you are essentially owned by a either a nation state or basically a, a notorious agent, you just accommodate your away or third kit to represent that individual's colours. Uh, and that's simple as that. Um, why not? Uh, I expect at a certain point, you know, we'll have some other squads just roll out some stars and stripes. Maybe we'll get that with with Burnley because uh, how many um, US investors have Burnley got now at this point? Who's the, who's the other, is it J, was it JJ Watt that bought a stake in Burnley? Yeah, it was JJ. Yeah. Well, they'll yeah, get their like, like, like a big Texan longhorn. Don't worry. It'll happen soon. Cause he, uh, he went crazy, didn't he on Twitter after a decision that was absolutely right. And he still just lost his shit. And he was, oh, I don't watch much football. And I was like, well, clearly you do not. <laughs> yeah, it will precisely. <laughs> uh, I, I want to go back to Ferguson quickly because obviously people are yes. going to be like, oh, why are you hating on Ferguson? Well, we're not hating on Ferguson. We're, 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 up, we're disappointed with the performances for whatever reason that is recently because we've seen how good Ferguson is and how good he can be. And he's just been stifled or suffocated of, of, of opportunities. And then when he's had the opportunities, he's been disappointed with them. He came on at the 64th minute yesterday. So that was over basically 30 minutes of football. He touched the ball 12 times. Um, and this is again a situation where if you play a setup where you've basically got one one central attacking player, which is pretty much what we're doing, right? Because he came off well, but came off for him. Uh, when you're facing teams that set up in that structure, like Wolves and West Ham have done, that individual barely gets any chances. They barely get any touches, and we 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 saw that yesterday. But the difference is. If he's crowded out, you have to then have your other players do something. 
and the other players weren't doing a damn thing either. So it's like, well, you don't get your ball to your number nine. And when the ball does come to him, he looks a bit dodgy with his touches. And then the other players have got more space because you've got two or three people surrounding Evan Ferguson in the center of the box. Well, you've got to do something, do do something with the ball and they all failed. Um, yeah. We saw a real aversion to shoot to yesterday, didn't we? Oh my felt God. Like there was, I felt Jao, like there was Jao one Pedro. particular moment. Yeah. Towards the end of the game, I think there was one particular moment where Jao Pedro had about six opportunities to hit it and took none of them. The crowd just one. went, ah, oh, after we lost the ball. I think everybody did in every living room around the world that was watching that, that game just groaned except for Wolves fans, I suppose. But uh, yeah, like that. And that really typifies what that game felt like, didn't it? Like you said, like if, if Ferguson is crowded out and he's supposed to be your, your arrowhead, like you need, you need the other guys to step up. Pascal Gross couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo yesterday, which is unbelievably rare. Gian Pedro, for some reason, who is always keen to shoot, even if it's not great, didn't want to shoot at all yesterday. Hingelwood was anonymous. They never got the ball to Lamptey when he did come on. Milner is Milner. Like, he shouldn't be playing at left wing anyway, but I understand the idea behind it. Estepinion was playing centre-half. Like, there was no... And Gilmore was basically asked to just cover the middle on his, on his own. Yeah. And he was probably the only half-decent player yesterday. Yeah. And he wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah. I've 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 made no secret of my fandom of 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 Billy Gilmore, but he can't do it all on his own. Um, and it was just it was a probably our worst game in terms of creativity I've seen us play this year. This year, yeah, but as in this it's last three hundred and sixty-five days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to to some positive stuff though, because uh, we are still in the FA Cup. Um, and we have just signed Valentin Parco uh, for what should be an absolute steal. Um, we're heading up to Sheffield twice in the space of, I think, three weeks or so. Correct. Uh, with, I think, Luton and Palace in between them. Um, and Spurs. Spurs as well. Spurs as well. Uh, there is a lot of points on offer here, isn't there, as well as this place in the fifth round with, with Sheffield United, Luton, Palace, and then Sheffield United again. Spurs away is a bit of a write-off, but, you know, those groups of games there with returning players, right, we're hopeful that we're going to be starting to see some players filter through by the time we hit the 18th of February with Enciso back in training, Fatty back in training, AFCON and the Asian games coming to an end. Um, I think Ivory Coast are just about knocked out, so it may be perfect time uh, for Adingra to make his return. Uh, he may well get a bit of a rest and maybe even get some game time against Luton. But there's really no better time, right? Like these games are games we need to be getting results from. Yeah, I want to talk about this. It's, it's, um, so yeah, I think the Ivory Coast, by the way, if anyone's been, if you've been following the, the Africa Cup of Nations, it's one of the weirdest AFCONs in terms of results in, in, in recent memory. So I don't know if you've seen the Ivory Coast team, but it's like far and away the best actual like squad of players in the whole tournament. Like it's ridiculous. They've they've got like I know he's not amazing, but Nicolas Pepe, F- uh, Fafana, Kessie, Sangare, Bolly, and Dika. Like like a whole host of good players. As we talked about, you, you had a Dingra come off the bench yesterday. I think eighty third minute. They lost four 0 to Equatorial Guinea. 
I challenge you to recognize a single player from Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> uh, it's remarkable. But yeah, what that does mean is we should have a Dingra back um, pretty much now because I think they are done and dusted in their group. They've played three games. They've got three points minus three goal difference and, and Guinea and Nigeria are on seven points. So I think that they're out. Um, this is going to be a very, very, very significant run of games. So a lot of them are away. You've got that that cup game against Sheffield United on the in 27th, so this Saturday, as we yep. record. Then three days later, you've got a game away against Luton. A um, few days after that, on the Saturday, you've got Crystal Palace at home. Yep. You've then a week after that, you've got Spurs away, and then eight days after that, you play Sheffield United away again. Six days after that, you've got Everton at home. And then a week or so after that, you've got Fulham away. Wow. A week after that, you've got Forest at home. When does the FA Cup fifth wow. round get played? Do you know? No idea. But it's probably squeezed in. I'd need to look that up. It's got to be squeezed in there somewhere. But the, I guess the overarching point there is every single one of those games, it's rare you get a run in all of these outside of the FA Cup game where you look at it and you say, there are three points on offer there from all of these games. Absolutely. Yep. Um, now that invariably won't be the case, but you're not scared of looting away, really. Let's be of all the things you could be scared of. You're, you're probably not scared of looting away, despite some of the results they've had recently. Um, Palace at home. If you can't take advantage of this Palace side at this point in time, who look absolutely defeated. Uh, under Hodgson with Graham Potter about to stroll in and bring out his homeless tent and sleep on the street outside of Selhurst Park. It, it, like you've got to, you got to win that game. Uh, we saw, do you we've think seen he gets signed up? Spurs. Do I you don't think know. he's the manager before the end of the season? Uh, Steve Cooper as well in the picture as well, right? Um, Roy's done though. Roy is, they're all, I have so many Palace fans were laughing at the way he treated Watford at the end. And they were like, he's because he's palace through and through. He doesn't care about anyone else. And he's just doing the same. He just doesn't give a shit, does he? He's almost acting out as much as possible to get the payout, just like he did with Watford. Like, there's a lot of talented young players there that he's all, he's berating to the media too, isn't he? Like, he's just, he's gizzy. He doesn't care. Well, I think he's a bit of a legend. But I, I think he needs to aspirationally be what we all aspire to at the end of our careers, as in you've built up enough of a reputation where you're like, I don't want to work anymore, really. And then someone comes to you and says, how about all this money? And you go, well, I don't really care, but I'll do it. And they sign you up and then you just don't do any work and they just give you a shit ton of money and you walk off. That yeah. is pretty much superb. Uh, yeah, amazing. Well done to him. But it's wonderful to see, obviously, from our perspective. But we've seen what we can do against Spurs, right? It's going to be a different Spurs side because they – it's going to be a different Brighton side. They had a ton of injuries when we played them, right? Um, they'll probably have players like Madison back. They've already got that defender back whose name's escaping me at the moment, who was, who's been fairly good. Um, I don't know if Son will probably be back then as well, so we'll have to see. So that might be a tr- the tr- that's obviously going to be the trickiest proposition, but, you know, I think you've got to expect an average of two points from, from this, this string of games. Um, because if not, you face the the dirty end of the season after that yeah and we've got obviously we've got a game right after the Sheffield United one this weekend uh 
you've got to assume he's going to prioritize league over cup, right? We all say that he doesn't, but the sample size we've been given of the first half of the season, we've seen that he has, in hindsight, played a weaker team before then knocking out another one, right? Like thinking of the Marseille game in December, we played a much weaker side than we probably anticipated against some of the other teams. Arsenal right afterwards, for example, rotated to be a much weaker side to then put out a stronger one at Palace. Not that it got us a result, but we didn't get beat, so that's always good. Um, You would think that he's going to have to be forced to do something along the same lines here. Do you think that we start seeing a couple of those proper babies come into the picture here? We saw uh, Baker Boati come on last night. Um, He's been trusted a few times. Do you think he gets a start? Uh, Obviously, Baleba, Moda, uh, Pupion. um, We've got a couple of others as well. Hinchy. uh, You know, there's a group of names in there that have been kind of making cameos here and there. Uh, Do you think he starts rolling a couple of those out against Sheffield United? Or do you think that he will be a little bit more ambitious than that and keep with kind of as many first team names as he, well, (laughs) possibly can field from his limited and mounted players that he's got. Yeah, I I, th- I think he's going to probably roll out, a, go on the stronger side again. Um, you, you might have a couple of youth players, but again, the, what we've talked about and what you've seen and what you hinted at there, pretty much every time that we've had a cup-style game, it's not like he's just lobbed out the old sort of Arsene Wenger style of just, here's a bunch of, guys you've never heard of and we don't care about this. He's He's gone for it. Um, so I, I don't think we'll probably see a ton of like youth coming, but I think the hope here is going to be that he'll play some of the players a little bit of rotation with the hope that you can then give longer periods of time to the players coming back from injury um, in, the, in the game against Luton. So as in maybe you will get 75 minutes out of Tarek Lamptey or maybe you do have Adingra come back and is able to to put out 80, 90 minutes because he's now back in the picture. But you're right in the sense that we might see Belabor and Moda and players like that where they're like, they're not the guys that have no experience underneath them, but they're the players where you're like, okay, try and do something against Sheffield United in the cup. Go on, give it, give it a go. Yeah, I think so too. I think we'll definitely see Webster, uh, Verbruggen, Moda, um, yeah, I think we'll see a bunch of those players coming. It would be crazy not to, really. Uh, also want to put out a little bit of condolences uh, to the the citizens of China. Um, Ronaldo's team were over there. I'm not sure if you saw that. They are over there for a mini tour, but he's got injured, so the whole thing got cancelled. Uh, just very serious, very serious football uh, is taking place around the world. But it's one of the funniest things I've read today. So I really wanted to just shoehorn that in there because it's just a level of absurdity that we've, we're just getting closer to. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Oh, I sort of has to be. It's not going to be bloody Nazario de Lima. I wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 I can't. I cannot really express how much I despise Cristiano Ronaldo as an individual uh, and a yeah, footballer. No, uh, um, all right, yeah. Valentin Barco. We do have a new player on the books. The one I think we all predicted that was going to be coming in. Um, we all figured that he would possibly go back out on loan per Andy Naylor. Seems like Deserby's had a bit of a change of opinion there, and he will not be going anywhere. Um, 
for what it well he said for depth really like we could possibly use him here and i'm sure we could uh left back left wing back left winger central attacking midfielder even central midfielder in general uh, a couple of times with Boca Juniors last year. Um, how much, how much of an impact do you anticipate him having this season? Well, it depends what side of deserve he gets on because, um, and we've got a question in the chat many week asking about what's going on with the hood. Why have we not seen more of him? He's pissed deserve off. Uh, and we talked about this maybe a couple of episodes ago, which feels like a long time ago at this point, but basically he sort of came out, didn't he? And he was just like, he's not trying hard enough. And he's when he when he's playing, he doesn't do what I ask him to, and he doesn't deserve to play. And he's just dropped him completely. So I don't know how much we'll see of the hood at all ongoing at this point. It wasn't even in this. I mean, when you're you've got Baker Buarte in ahead of the hood, like of the squad, you know you're on Deserby's bad side. Ooh, he Deserby's shame, right? That he'll play anyone if they are doing what they should be doing in training uh, and then putting in the right kind of performance when they're given the opportunity. We've seen that with his willingness to play Hinchwood. We've seen that with his, some reason, willingness to play Buenote. Uh, and, and we've seen the opposite side of that with Belaber not getting much time uh, on the pitch, re- regardless of the talent we've seen when he's played. We don't know what Barco is going to be like uh, in training, but... I don't know how he can be much worse than the creativity that we saw yesterday. And I, I would have dreamt to have lobbed anyone in with an ounce of flair and creativity yesterday on the 70th, 80th minute um, because we were screaming out for it and we just didn't have to play it. I don't think he's back, is he? I don't think he's even in England until, what, the end of January? Is it under 20-somethings, isn't he? Yeah, he's with like some Argentinian under twenty three, under twenty ones team for some qualification games, I think. Um, so I think that's why his like unveiling picture, like video he had, was like just in like just some random selfie video he had because he's nowhere near. Yeah. Um, also, absolutely fair play to the team for putting out an excellent signing video. Yeah, yeah, not we- bad, was it? We've seen so many good ones over the years, and it's so nice to like have ours up there now as one that like the general populace looked at and thought that was a really cool one. Like, what like, was cool. it for the people that hadn't seen it, Josh? Yes, yeah, so for the football manager fans amongst us, uh, it would have been an extra kick for you guys uh, if you you're not a football manager uh, lover like I am. Um, you should be one. Just go buy the next one and play it. Trust me, you'll love it. Um, but essentially, they uh, Valentin Barco is a is a wonder kid um, on Football Manager twenty four, uh, and we all know how low his release clause is. Um, so, if you're a Premier League manager or just about any top flight manager in Football Manager, Barco is one of the easiest signings you make immediately. Um, those of you uh, who've ever heard of Freddie Adu, uh, you'll know that those wonder kids sometimes work out well, uh, sometimes not so well. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he he came in, and, and the Albion's entire shtick basically was that he was a Football Manager wonder kid. Um, and did it all through the Football Manager engine, which was very fun. Uh, and finally, we're kind of utilising that little sponsorship partnership we have with uh, with SI. So it was fun. It was good. It was nice to see other fans be like, yep, that was a cool one because we're top flight Premier League team. We should be putting some more effort into our signing announcements. So I was happy to see it. Do you think we see any more in January is the key question, Adam. Well, you're, you're, this is a, 
an issue in the sense that my hope is very different from what maybe the reality is going to be. I feel like uh, that could also be copy pasted for Roberto De Zerbi. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, when when we had this conversation, maybe you asked this question a few weeks back. My answer was that I think we we probably have someone else, if plausible, that comes in beyond Valentin Barco. Um, is that still the case? It's been it's not been much noise, has there? There was a lot of noise prior to the Barco one. There was noise in the summer about Barco, and then we got it done. There's not been a whole lot of noise now. There's been a couple of names thrown around. I think it's the is it Veerman, the Dutch chap that's been lobbed around a couple of times. Um, yeah. There was also talk about West Ham wanting to sign in. Well, West Ham have just agreed to loan Calvin Phillips from Manchester City today. So maybe that's them out of the running. Um, it would be great if we could we could bring in another body there. I think probably, uh, as you hinted at there, Deserby's stance on this is, well, you've seen we need more reinforcements. People will continue to get injured. I'm not ready to bring in Belaba. Moda's still going to be on a long process of coming back from injury. And Dahoud is dead to me. So it'll be nice to bring in someone else, maybe in, in central midfield or, or, or elsewhere. So uh, if Deserbi is is com- as compelling to the fan base as he is to, uh, or rather is compelling enough to, to Barber and Bloom as he is to the fan base, then we'll bring another player in. Um, so I'd say maybe one, maybe one more. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I would have been delighted if the only other piece of business we did this this January was bringing in Calvin Phillips for five months, frankly, on loan. Like, that would have been an excellent piece of business given our midfield group. Um, but obviously, West Ham have got in there. I would really hope that wages, least... though, they're like obscene, aren't they? Yeah, I just, I hope we at least ask the question just to find out. Like, I'd be really disappointed if we didn't even go, what's the, what's the haps? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would like to think we are. Um, but yeah, like, like you say, there's a lot of talk, but I, I don't think we'll be signing anybody else between now and the end of the window. Um, not at all. And come the summer, we might be able to see some really spicy fireworks uh, from Roberto because I think this summer will really make and break, make or break as to whether he's here with us next season or not, depending on that transfer policy. Um, and where yeah. we finishing with all, all the tournaments we're still in, frankly. It would have, you know, I think we could really have done with a nice sort of South American creative winger spark last night. And um, turns out, you know, there was one scoring against Leicester City for Ipswich, uh, who we lobbed back out on loan. Why did we not just bring Sarmiento back? I think that they really, really want to get him game time. Like just pure and simple game time. That's all. Hey, he would have got. That's why they switched five minutes for me last night after seeing that first half. I don't disagree. Oh, I see. Uh, Abdallah Sima has also now got injured. Yes, he's out for long term, which is very he's been very good, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bummer, though, really, isn't it? Because for me, like in this transfer window, I'm not really bothered about attackers because. As many people have pointed out on social media, uh, the hellhole is sometimes on earth some correct takes. Uh, like Once they are all fit again, we've got too many attackers as is. So you don't really want to be bringing in another one or two more, even yeah, on yeah. basis when we are potentially 30 days away from having and see so fatty, Dingra and Mitoma all back 
Buonanotte's been all right since Pedro Ferguson. Well pick. Like you've got a lot of Pascal Gross, like you've got a lot of options there. So uh and Barco, right? Depending on where they end up putting him, because the Boca fans are absolutely convinced he is not a left back. Uh especially right. in this economy, uh the Premier League. <laughs> they're, they're, they're convinced he's not. Uh, like he's a left wing back at best, uh, according to them, and they've watched him play every, every game, right? So it's we've arguably just brought on an attacker there as well. So for me, like at this point, we're once again back to the same problem we had in the summer. We need more central midfield depth that offers something different, AKA Moises Caicedo-esque type players. And we need more fullbacks that are actual real fullbacks and not Jack Hingerwood doing his best. Like, and I like Jack Hingerwood. We, we've talked ad nauseum about how great he's been, but we don't have a right back. Like we still actually don't have a right back that you can rely on for more than 60 minutes. No, we don't. Because Tarek Lamptey is not a right back that you can play for more than 60 minutes in a game. And Veltman is not a right back. I understand he's been great for us at right back and has played more games at right back than he has at centre half over the last two years, but he's not a right back. His whole career has been a centre half. Like, you can't just convert him, hope it works out, and then say he's a natural right back. Like, he's not a right back. Adam Virgo was not a natural striker, right? Like, <laughs> we push, we pushed him up there and he scored some absolute bangers for one season when we were awful. Doesn't mean he's like a natural hunter. Like, it's, we desperately need fullbacks. We need fullbacks and we need central midfielders. And I don't think we'll be doing either of those until the summer. Um, and I really hope we pull our fingers out in the summer and get some money spent on both of those positions, right back and centre mid, please. The full back thing's interesting. And, and I feel like people are going to be like, well, no, the full, it wasn't Hinshelwood's fault yesterday. Well, he wasn't the problem. Well, no, but the system that is employed here by Deserby puts that full back wing back position pretty much of like right up there of paramount importance because of how much reliance you have on moving the ball up the wings. Um, being able to cover back quickly, as we talked about with Hinshelwood in the past, which he does a very good job of. Um, but it's a massive creative outlet on the overlap, um, especially given the deficiencies we've got of right wing at the moment and left wing, depending on your stance on Jar Pedro playing out there. So, yes, as you say, Hinshelwood's done amazing, but he's not, he, he wasn't the guy even a few weeks, but he wasn't the guy at the start of the season in any way. None of us were really talking about him being our starting right wing back. Um, it's an important position for us and we've not seen a real right wing back play for quite a while. Really? Agreed. Yep. Um, just to pour water on the even suggestion of that additional player coming in is a few hours back, obviously Andy Nader came out and said, a source close to Arthur Vermeuren is unaware as things stand of Brighton's reported interest in the midfielder. He's been linked with numerous clubs in the Premier League and La Liga. Uh, so when Naylor comes out and you know rains on parades, that normally is just taking that rumor out the back and shooting in the head, um, because yeah. that will be as good as as club PR speak as you as you'll get it. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe the club is potentially wising up a little bit, if it's fair to describe it as that. In that every player we seem to go for now generates immediate interest just because we're going for them. So maybe there has to be a little bit more subterfuge as to how we go about buying players because now it's not just, oh, don't worry, Brighton are signing some guy that they're going to 
you know, train up over time and maybe he'll be good or maybe not. Now it's, oh shit, Brighton are signing the player. Let's beat them to it. We've got more money than them. So maybe there has to be a little bit more messing around and and uh, smoke and mirrors when we're buying players, but um, maybe I'm reading into it too much. It was very clear that Manchester City wanted Barco too. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting here bitching about the fact we don't have a right back, but we were also capable of pulling off coup after coup after coup, right? Like if we're in the right position and Sue Fatty in the last minute, <clears throat> last minute of the summer window out of absolutely nowhere, absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, right. And then obviously this Barco deal, right? Like we were the only ones that continued to pursue that. And this is a Manchester city side that is capable of committing about 865 different types of fraud in order to keep themselves afloat, but they can't get the deal for Barco done because they just can't be bothered to go through the mediation that's needed for these South American transfers. And we did. Um, and we kept on him and we pursued him and, and he's now a Brighton player. So fair play to us. And for the, the for the price we, we got him for, I mean, that's outrageous. And everybody talks about, you know, sell on fee this, sell on fee that. Like, they've got nothing. We offered them a sell on fee and they still wouldn't take it because uh, we wanted to break down the payments into two, didn't we? We wanted to go for him. Instead of just 10 million straight, I think we wanted to do 5 million this year, 5 million in six months or whatever, and then a 10% sell-on fee. Yep. But Boca don't need the sell-on fee, really, in their position. They are effectively like the one of the biggest teams in South America. What are they going to do with that money? They're, that's not the way they operate. So uh, they got their money. We got our player. Very happy. Um, I cannot believe that we are now... 41 minutes into this podcast. Uh, for those of you talking about getting blood from a stone, uh, I will point you to this forever and always now that we have got 41 minutes and 30 seconds out of a nil-nil draw against Wolves uh, that if you've watched it, you'll be shocked as we You'd are. think we're getting paid for this. <laughs> uh, really, this is like, it's it's we we fully intended to come on here and talk for about 10 minutes and then never speak of this game again. So it's uh, pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah, we've done a good job. Uh, I think we can wrap there, though. Uh, Sheffield United this weekend, uh, I will be there. Um, so I'll be going to both, actually. Two trips up to Sheffield in a matter of God, weeks. God lucky, bless. Lucky me. Uh, the last time I went there, I got abs- I got about, what, 50-odd coins lobbed at me from above. So that will be fun. Hopefully they've got a bit more protection up there before um, but I did see a couple of people collecting on some of that change. And it actually in made this economy, lobbing coins? Yeah, a while ago now, a while ago now, mm. when we were much worse than we are this time. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'll be up there for both of those. Um, so that will be fun. Uh, hopefully we can progress into the next round because there's a lot of teams, uh, good teams, that are getting knocked out. Uh, if they haven't been, they're about to be uh, with some of the clashes that we've got in this fourth round. So progress it's never a bad thing. Yeah, and pray for some of the other various AFCON nations to finish slightly better on points than Ivory Coast do. So Ivory Coast are fully out and we get a dinker back because I, I don't want to see whatever that was on the right wing, wing again against anyone else. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. Please, Africa, listen to us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we will be back uh, this weekend coming up for Sheffield United recap uh, and looking ahead to a midweek Luton game followed by Palace, which will probably double head of that weekend. Um, so have a wonderful week uh, and we'll speak soon. Thanks all.